0: Now move into our movie review, which I teased in the in the first half or the last episode, depending on how you're how you're watching or listening to us. I tease that it's a very interesting movie to review, um, and one that I'm really excited to talk about. That's "The Harder They Fall," which is a western directed by James Samuel. It's on Netflix. It dropped last week, um, maybe two weeks ago. Actually, I think it was November 5th whenever it whenever it dropped, but huge, massive cast. Kirk is going to give us the synopsis and then we'll get right into the harder they fall.
1: Yes. Indeed. This, this is quite the film, ladies and gentlemen, quite the film. This is, uh, as it opens up on the screen, it says these are real people, but this story is fictitious. All the people in this story are real. Um, And they, they kind of piece together this narrative based on character traits of these people that we know from history. Uh, from autobiographies such as the main character nat love uh he actually wrote a an autobiography he wrote a biography about himself and uh published it and it's out there so a lot of these stories we know from a first-hand uh narrator which is pretty cool uh because this happened in the wild wild west what we find is nat love uh is, uh, ripped from his family, uh, horrifically finds that his family is murdered right in front of him by, by this, uh, notorious gangster, Idris Elba. And, uh, no, his name is not Idris Elba in the film. It is Rufus Buck. Um, and it is, it is then Nat Love's uh, journey in this film to find Rufus Buck and kill him you know make him pay vengeance for for what he has done to him um this is uh, nat love goes on to create a notorious western gang of his own he is the leader uh he has a, a great team with all their own special skills again all real people just paired into nat love's gang uh and Along the line, he, he goes through a, seri- a series of more loss uh, with the love of his life. who was already out of his life, but was seemingly just barely coming back in. It's taken by Rufus Buck. We get um, just incredible dynamic fight sequences and uh, performances from people that... Um, you thought could not do the things they could do. Um, you know, you knew that they were good actors. Uh, you've seen them before. Regina Kings as he beats um Lakeith. Uh I mean, come on. This this is this is some high uh combat stuff. This is some very skilled stuff in this film. And we go on this journey uh to find uh what was lost, who we are, uh how these characters view themselves, and what they do when their lives are on the line or, and more importantly, when other people's lives are on the line, you really show your truest colors. So the harder they fall, a fascinating Western, uh, blurred with a little bit of modern and black exploitation and spaghetti Western.
0: Yeah. I mean this, if, if nothing else, this movie is exceptionally stylish. Now, whether you, enjoy that or not is obviously subjective. But as I was kind of teasing earlier, like unabashedly its own thing, you know, they just really like have leaned into a very particular aesthetic, uh, look, tone, feel type of thing. And just kind of put it out there. Now I would say, you know, to your point, it's, it's its own thing, but it's clear where the inspiration comes from, right? I mean, it's it's a very blatant homage to old Western films. Um, you know, if, if any significant director in the last like twenty years or so is represented in this film, I mean, it has Quentin Tarantino vibes, Baz Luhrmann vibes, Spike Lee vibes. Like you've got all of that going on, plus like obviously the the genre um, tropes and 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 things that. Are needed to pay homage to Westerns. Uh It feels a little bit like a mafia movie in a way. Westerns were mafia movies before mafia movies were mafia movies in a way. So um, there's a lot of obvious inspirations here, but when it's all, you know, <laughs> melted together into a fondue, it's, it's its own, it's its own deal. So very interesting movie. Let's, Let's hop right into it, Kirk. We're going to start with our acting superlatives. Hey, this cast, man, We, I mean, we just got to talk about it at the outset. You mentioned some of the names. I mean, we're talking Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Regina King, Zazie Beetz, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, RJ Seiler, like crazy, crazy cast mm-hmm, going on mm-hmm. here. Um, but where will they all stack up, Kirk? And you have the floor for your first pick and who your Oscar is going to.
1: Why, thank you. The Oscar clearly, easily goes to Mr. Jonathan Majors. You've seen him in some big, big blockbusters, and you're going to see him in some even bigger ones as he's playing Kang uh, in the MCU. Or, you know, he goes by a dozen other different names, but he's <laughs> Kang. Jonathan Majors, man, I feel like he came into our lives out of nowhere. Um, similar to like Timothy Chalamet, 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 Ding Dong, Ding Dong. I think that though these two actors have risen with such grace uh, and speed onto the screen that they immediately are relatable they are immediately and easily um just charismatic to to the nth degree jonathan majors does something incredible in this performance um every time you see him on screen he really does become the character um he he took care uh of of studying this this person this nat love with great detail and great finesse there's nothing that seems forced What's tricky about this movie is that there's a there's a sprinkle of uh, of like modern writing into this, Mm. but it goes away. It's almost like an introductory um, paragraph, an introductory act one into kind of like warm you up into the real style, the real meat of this that comes into play later. And he is so. Easily navigating that, um, showing us uh, only the cards that he wants us to see in the movie, which is really difficult for film actors. I I just, I can't express enough how often movies are shot out of sequence because of filming locations and conditions and and, uh, schedules with other actors. So often they're not filmed in chronological order. Yeah,
0: more often than not.
1: Yes. And when they are, they tell you about it. Like the four movies in the history of film that have been recorded (laughs) in chronological order, um, i.e. A Beautiful Mind. Everyone, that's the biggest one that people talk about. But in order to to track that, I mean, you have to take your notes. You have to be mentally prepared for what your starting point and end point is and to make sure that your character isn't too far developed in the middle of the movie for his big moment at the end of the movie. Jonathan Majors just absolutely crushes it every single time in this movie specifically, the only thing that I wished would have been more um, part of the writing of this film is if we really could have seen uh, a little bit more vulnerability to him because we know that he has it in him. It would have had to be a private moment because his character would never ever show weakness in front of anyone else we get brief glimpses where he starts to break and then he snaps back into the hero of this story and just goes and he is such a good leader and has such a good leadership role in this character of nat love so jonathan majors i mean i could chat for 30 more minutes on it at least about how much i loved his his character dev in this and i mean you just believe him his commitment is unparalleled
0: Yep, it's a good pick, Kirk, and it's my pick as well. It's Jonathan Majors. <laughs> I mean, to your point, obviously, uh, stacked cast, tons of great acting performances, tons of great actors, you know, legendary type of actors in this film when you talk about the likes of Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, Regina King, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Jonathan Majors stands stands above the rest, and I think, you know, you spoke to his, his rise to superstardom. I mean, he's obviously a highly trained individual from a, you know, a high caliber acting program. But beyond that, I mean, he is what you would call in sports, a student of the game. I mean, he's a pro's pro. He understands everything um, that's going on and you can just feel it as he's acting. You know, he is thinking about where the camera is hitting him, you know, and this, and obviously the directors involved in this too, our director, James Samuel, like There is a marriage there that goes on that was obviously very well done here. But he, when, you know, in Westerns, you get these hero shots and these, you know, very iconic genre-specific shots. And Jonathan Majors, when he's not speaking, he knows where that camera is and what they're trying to do with the shot so that he's carrying himself in the right way. And that is, if that doesn't sound next level, that is. Like, that is next level stuff. And the other thing about him um, it's just the way that with any character he portrays, you know, we saw him in the, into five bloods when you and I watched that movie. One of my favorite movies of last year, when we saw it, um, you and I both lauded him for his incredible performance in that movie. Uh, Lovecraft country, everything that we've seen him in so far, the work doesn't stop when he's not talking. If anything, I think he works harder when he's not (laughs) delivering lines because he can't convey with words what his character is thinking. But, he does just that all the time. I mean, his nonverbal physical acting is insanity. You can see all the wheels turning in his character's mind and exactly what's going through it and how he's responding. And in this movie, it was more apparent than anything. And it was insanely impressive. I just thought it was so good. Um, culminating to an incredible scene between him and Idris Elba at the end where there's this big revelation that Idris Elba is his brother from another mother, literally, uh, even though he also killed his dad and, and just like, first of all, the raw emotions between those two, the exchange they have, it's an insanely well acted scene. Um, and Jonathan majors is just, I mean, you just want to stand up and clap, you know, you're almost like, man, I wish I was in a theater to check this out because wow, what a, what a moment. Um, but yeah, Jonathan majors, unbelievable. Once again, uh, he's not going anywhere. Not, not, not anywhere except for maybe to collect an actual Oscar <laughs> pretty soon yes. here.
1: or 10. I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: yes, seriously. Stop. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to scene stealer. Tons and tons of options, Kirk. I'll be interested to see who you went with.
1: My scene stealer goes to Mr. Lakeith Stanfield. Come on down. He Cherokee bill. <laughs> Cherokee bill. One of the fastest guns of the West only rivaled by, oh, what's his name? The actor's name Jim is Jim Buckworth. Oh, RJ Seiler. Yeah, Buckworth. Yes, Jim Beck Beckworth. There it is. Um, fantastic. Lakeith well, Stanfield, the relationship here, the best way to describe it, if you haven't watched this film yet, or if you have, you know, in a social network, you have Mark Zuckerberg and you have Eduardo saverne and one is the leader, you know, leader, you know, <laughs> in that movie. And he's trying to keep it together. He, he is, uh, the person in charge and you have Eduardo who is his right hand man. And he has just got his emotions all in the sleeve right hand man turned enemy. Um, in this, you see Jonathan Majors, the leader, a real leader, uh, despite some questionable gray issues with his intentions and um, how he get, makes a living. And Lakeith Stanfield, emotions on the sleeve. I love it. I love it. You re- you need those those archetypes to tell a story because they are, they live in our everyday lives. I mean, how often do you see um, you know the CEO and and their VP and you see the CEO is is trying to be there and or president and vice president a uh, uh, king and prince you you see the person in the in the head role has to be there to emit something that is that holds it together that keeps you strong to keep you strong through the hard times you're going to endure and then you have the person who's cheering them on and that's the that's the everyday man uh you see the emotions you're like dude i'd be sobbing like that guy i'd be ticked off like that guy look at lakeith yeah be angry and he was the bad guy you know in this in this particular scenario because he was one of rufus uh buck's henchmen right he was his right hand man uh so lakeith stanfield everything you do is marvelous and this one in particular was electric, absolutely electric. He just came into this, uh, just just running toward the screen um, in, in the exact opposite way where he was standing still most of the time and that he was telling you, no, you're going to look at me uh, because I'm reacting to the, the, everything that's going on around me. And we're going to talk about it right here. Uh, show my face. I mean, he's practically crying the entire time, even when he's angry at someone, he's just like man, the world is a messed up place. And he has just this understanding uh, this internal understanding about that. And he's ready to just um, call it quits. And ultimately he knows that he can't because he has too much work to do until he gets taken down. So Lakeith Stanfield as Cherokee bill, you won me over. You were exquisite.
0: It's a great pick Kirk. It was definitely in contention for me and I wrestled with it and I think the thing about Lakeith, man, he just, he has such range. He has just exceptional range. I mean, we've seen him do so many different things so far. And this and this one was interesting in the sense that it was reminiscent of his past performances and yet so altogether its own. And that and that's what makes him uh, incredible. I thought what was so great about this performance from him is is they do this great thing in this movie where it's like, you know, these guys are all outlaws. They're pitted against each other. And so, as the viewer, you have this question, this unsettled question of like, what separates them from them? You know, what makes the good guys good and the bad guys bad in this sense? And there's the scene where they have this quick draw, and it's the quick draw we've all been waiting for between Cherokee Bill and Jim Beckworth. And Cherokee Bill, you know, he's known for shooting people in the back, they say. And he's like, no, I don't do that. And he shoots him on three. Straight in the head, actually. It's gruesome. And that's what draws the line right there. You're like, ah, he doesn't have a code of honor. You know, that's... And 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 that reveal... You actually really like Cherokee Bill going up to that. And because he's done a really good job to make his character endearing. Whilst you know, you kind of understand what he's about, you think. And then in that moment, it all shifts. And yet, at the same time, it makes sense. Because the whole... You know, you look back at what's happened, and you're like, "Oh, it's all been leading up to this," and it's partially, I mean, largely because of the really great performance that Lakeith Stanfield gives that that moment is as impactful as it is. So, love that call. Um, for me, could it have been Regina King? Absolutely. Could it have been Zazie Beetz? Absolutely. Lakeith, sure, but it's Idris, man it's idris elba i i man i love idris elba I've, nice. I've been such an i've admired his work for so long and um, i don't think he's the obvious pick for scene stealer but here's the thing about him idris elba is a mega star you know huge name amazing credits you know he's been in tons of stuff he's done incredible things and in this movie he's asked to do something really different which is you know, he's played the villain before, sure, but he has to be a very different kind of villain in this movie. He has to be a villain that's like, you don't know what's going on in this guy's head, and in many ways, what makes Idris Elba's performance so good is not what he does, but what he doesn't do. It's really that he's so under control, and he hides so much of us, so much from us about his character for so long. He doesn't, you know, with a character or with an actor of his prowess and his pedigree, you would expect them to want to come in, dominate the scene, dominate the, the performance and put their stamp on the movie. He does it, he puts his stamp on the movie still, but with, by showing restraint until the right time, which is, he is, you know, you never know what's going through his head. He's always kind of keeping you on your toes and that makes him a way, way scarier villain. But then at the end... The emotion is show, so shocking and raw from him as he's as he's divulging, you know, exactly what has happened leading up to this. That it is, you know, much like what we talked about with Lakeith just a second ago, or what, what I was saying with Lakeith just a second ago. It's so powerful because of the groundwork he laid earlier in the film, and um, yeah, obviously he shares that incredible scene with with Jonathan Majors, and that's reason enough for me to to choose him as my scene stealer because it was awesome, really, really awesome righty beautiful let's talk about the movie itself let's talk about what what was going on here behind the camera and in the editing room I mean lots of different things to we could go off on Kirk but I'm interested to see what
1: you got I'm gonna talk about two things the the biggest like the the best description definition of showstopper let's break down that 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 ending scene that ending scene where we discover this kind of long not long it's it's a well-paced uh reveal Mm -hmm. that Idris Elba is the half-brother of Mr. Jonathan Majors in real life too that really threw me through a loop when they just <laughs> <laughs> say that um in the story you've seen it hopefully if not you love spoilers and welcome talking about uh, Cameron's wife Jackie she yep. wants to hear wants how it ends first <laughs> is that the uh, uh Idris Elba is uh, basically seemingly defeated he says yeah I've lost everything you know he sees Lakeith Keith Stanfield go down as right hand man he's like that's it I have nothing else left to fight for. That was my brother in in like a true, like, I'm going to fight for you. Uh, Rick Grimes, Daryl, you're my brother. Uh, That sort of feeling. And in this moment, Idris reveals to him that his father was a horrible man and he left and he changed his life and he became uh, a man of God. He cleaned up his act up and got a new family and started over, but he left behind uh, Idris Elba, killed his mother and said, deuces, I'm out. So he Elba is out for blood, who's out happens to be the same father who reorganized his life, found the Lord. Seemingly, we don't really know uh, what's behind the eyes of the of their father, Jonathan Major's uh, father, who is killed in front of him and his mother, and then marked with a cross right on his forehead. Um, that scene, that reveal is so wonderful Uh, if you guys listen to the other episodes. You know, what Disney does so great, this is obviously not a Disney movie. Don't play this with your kids. What Disney does is they know you want something and then they let you have it so you're leading up to this moment so often in movies, Kim and I have talked about a lot, we should be consults on, on movies like, Oh, you know, it would be great. They were leading us this way. And then they totally just didn't do it. Uh, they had all this, this buildup, and they're like, yes, this, this is what we're building to. And then they just went a different direction that was weak and not even safe. It was riskier to do whatever they did. Um, but they really did just like just glided us right into it and it was so wonderful. You know in Halloween Town there's the quote I've always thought about this I pulled it up just to make sure I get it right but in Halloween Town they say magic is very simple. All you have to do is want something and then let yourself have it. Well, this is exactly what the director did in writing this. It's exactly what uh Idris and Jonathan Majors gave us in this scene. We we wanted this reveal as this narration is going on. And then they just let us have it. I mean, Bravo, absolutely just stunning work. Um, Did not expect it at all. And then the wheels are turning. You're like, was I led to this? Um, How did I not know they were half-brothers? in the very first 15, 30 minutes of the movie, the Crimson Gang is killed, and they say, that was my brother, half-brother. Like, that was very specific. When you're Mm -hmm. watching it the first time through, you're saying, that's weird, whatever, you know. I mean, people like to be specific in their writing. That was a key to the whole movie. Had nothing to do with a a real connection between the Crimson Gang and them, but it was really a nugget. It was Chekhov's gun. It was, I'm going to say this, you're going to hear it, so that when I say the word half-brother at the end of this film, you're not trying to grasp it from the entire english vocabulary so that scene really um, was told throughout the entire movie in such a well protective and secretive way that the actual reveal i was stunned but i was super excited as it was rolling out to be um, digesting it and really just really excited that they did that Um, there's a very easy way for that to fall apart in that that act that the actors you have cannot nail that scene but they did they nailed it had one of them faltered it at any single beat that thing would have fallen apart the whole movie would have fallen apart it is the crutch here what i also want to talk about briefly in the showstopper of this movie is the mise en scene the camera the camera work um we have just two two big moments i want to talk about we have uh cameron mentioned this already the hero shots. Uh, there's a big sweeping hero shot right before we lose some of our favorite characters that we've grown to love throughout this movie. Um, when when Cherokee Bill uh, takes out uh, Beckworth and and then so on, like eight of our other friends. Uh, but there's this sweeping, almost like a drone that comes down from the sky and just just like straight down the the city walk right to Jonathan Majors, and he doesn't even move, that thing gets inches from his face he doesn't even uh, falter at all, beautiful moment, top to bottom, looking looking down, from above that's your hero shot, villain shot in the same scene, we see Idris um, in his humble abode, palace, uh, from below looking up at him, villain done, easy, these are the moments that we've been on the line, these grey areas of where do we stand with these people, um, where where who i mean we could have easily rooted for idris because of you know what he was trying to build the community um you know being um uh being cast down by by the white communities as we see uh, shown in this movie how they treat nat love when he walks to the bank even though he's about to rob it they they treat him with such disdain and that he's not a human i mean there's so much wonderful intricacies wrapped into the camera work and that that big scene that i cannot imagine um those pieces coming together as the writer slash director that when you're writing this piece of what you want to tell and it really just fits how you want it to and then it comes to realization with the actors that you have chosen for your film um, it just had to be just absolutely magical uh which just that's why i had to say that halloween town quote as well so I've gone on too long, but those are some really big moments on why this film was very special.
0: I love it. I love it. I think two things on, on your points. I think one, um, you know, if you're going to make a Western in 2021, you know, or this was probably shot in 2020 or whatever, you know, you, you talked about the drone shot, definitely drones going on. Definitely. You know, you have to look at what westerns were trying to accomplish back in the day with their aesthetic and then say how can I do that better with the resources I have at my disposal and James Samuel Samuel did exactly that (laughs) you know he's not um that's that's why you do this you know you like if you're gonna make a western in 2020 or 2021 and you're gonna shoot it exactly the way westerns were shot you know in the 50s (laughs) it's like what are we doing? I mean, what what exactly are we, what are we even doing here? We're just making a, a, a love story to Westerns with no real new, nothing new to add to the genre? No, I mean, this that is what you need to do and they did it and it was great. I think the other thing too, you talk about them trying to lead us up to, you know, dropping the signals for us to understand the story. The, the things that make it masterful are all the things that you mentioned, but also, there is a possibility they don't do it in your mind. You're trying to figure out, as you watch a movie, it's sort of a natural thing to go, okay, how are they gonna end this? How are they gonna end this? And they leave it, you know, the ending that they have is the only perfect ending, but there are other decently acceptable ending options out there, you know? They, they could just have Nat Love ride off into the Tuscan Sunset like a Western hero, you know? Similar to Django Unchained, how they do that, you know? It's like, He gets his vengeance. He moves on. That's a very real possibility. So having that out there makes it, makes you just distracted enough to where you don't see all of the other signs leading up to it. So that when the reveal happens, you really are learning the information at the exact same time as Nat love, which makes it a zillion times more effective. And you have that like jaw on the floor moment. (laughs) And that's, that's what's really masterful about it. Um, I love it. Great picks. So for my showstopper, this is going to be one of those things. You know how uh, on a resume, sometimes people put <laughs> uh, their their weaknesses, but they're actually strengths. Like I care too much. I work too hard. <laughs> I think mine is if you were to have, if you were to list out criticisms of this movie, I think one of them would be you've got this packed cast with not very much screen time for all of them, and the plot can be thin at times for certain characters. Here's why that's my showstopper, because they do have all these characters, and at times you do thirst for more time with them. But what they do an insanely good job of in this movie is giving characters character death without having to have them talk. They give them quirks, they give them personality traits, you know, Delroy Lindo's character whistles everywhere he goes, and you wouldn't even really think anything about it, they don't really talk about it, he just does it, and you don't really think anything of it until one of the characters is up against it, you know, about to, you know, (laughs) meet death, and you hear a whistle, and you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's that guy, and he saves the day. They build in these really clever little, character traits, and, and yeah, you could point out it and say, well, they made all their character chari- characters caricatures, but I think it's quite the opposite. I think that they're building in rich character development, making them human in a way to help better drive the narrative. In, in a way, a Western, you know, you've got characters literally called Cherokee Bill. Like, how do you not make it a caricature? I'm sorry. Like, that's what these characters are. That's what a Western is, but They do this great job of just building these little tiny character quirks, even down to costume design. You know, at the end of the movie, they tease the sequel by just showing you a hat. (laughs) They don't show you the character. Like, those are the things that I'm talking about. You can tell a story without bogging it down with a ton of dialogue. And you can build characters and interpersonal relationships with one scene. You know, some of these characters, their only relationship you know before the fine before the finale of the film is from one scene but the way that the scene is crafted is done so in such a way that it's enough it's rich enough to tell the story and you can fill in the gaps with your brain we all have one um to make it make sense and, and the director does a good job of of leading you that way and and the writing is spectacular in that sense i think really like really well done from a dialogue perspective just didn't do too much with it they they did exactly the adequate amount that they had to do to, to accomplish it. So that's my showstopper. I don't know what I would call that if I had to <laughs> make it concise, but hopefully you guys get the point. So um, I do. let's move into the other side, which is director's shoes. Kirk, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I may have uh, played my hand on this already, but the beginning of this movie I don't know if it was the director's intent to lead us into the real style of this, Um, but it, it was a little too simplistic. You know, at the beginning, we didn't know, is this going to be super stylistic in dialogue? Is it going to be super modern dialogue? And they walked that balance beam there and they fell off a bit. They stuttered a little bit. And really until after we have that half brother moment, uh, with the Crimson gang. We don't um, we don't get a good footing, uh, if you will. We don't really get a feel for where am I? how artsy are we going? What is the real um, uh, point of view from the director? So I think the first act, which is roughly 20 minutes uh, in this film, I think that first act is a little bit, Bumpy, trying to figure that out, and then after that, you know exactly who each of these characters are. So I wouldn't even say it's in sp- their specific introductions, um, because I really do think every introduction of every character is just done with such ease that you don't have to worry. Uh, there's a lot of characters in here, so you're thinking, how am I going to remember all their names? Right? You don't have to because you remember their traits, uh, much like Cam mentioned, because you don't, you know who they are because of how they carry themselves versus knowing their entire backstory, which is critical and brilliant. So I think it really comes down to the character jargon. It it felt hyper-modernized at the beginning and it didn't give us a real taste of what it was out the gate.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it, it is a bit inconsistent and sometimes you're like, okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? What? Like, what's the purpose behind the stylistic choice? And I think that that's similar to, that's similar to what I'm going to discuss, which is like this, this director, James Samuel, I think, you know, not to tip my hat to what my score is going to be, but like stellar feature film, high scale debut. I mean, just really, really lots of good things to go here. As you would expect with a newer director, there are some executional things to really iron out here. And I think one of them is, you know what you're talking about which is like what are we trying to accomplish with the tone of the film at times like it's modern it's classic like what what's the what's the goal it's not immediately clear i think two big things for me one is the music okay and 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 a lot of people would say the music is a strong suit in this movie and i think that in most cases it is but there are times where it is frankly distracting you know like it is frankly just too much, or a certain song goes on for too long, or the mix is wrong, and it just kind of, it tilts the vibe a little bit too far in one direction, where it doesn't, like, tonally, it doesn't fit, Um, and, you know, I I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate what they're trying to do, and at times, it's really stellar. At times, the music is such an enhancement to what's going on, but there are other times where it really, you know, it affects the product in a way that uh, I don't think they would want. The other thing about this movie is it lives in this limbo between trying to be just a really fun, really tight narrative that's fast, stylish, action-packed, etc., and trying to say something. Like, this movie couldn't decide if it wanted to make a social commentary or what. It's like, you've got an all-black western. You know, most people go into that and say, what's this guy got to say? And for the most part, this movie really wasn't about that at all. And there wasn't really much of a commentary on race at all. I mean, it was an afterthought, which is cool. And I think that, like, if that's the case, go all the way to the, the, like, fun, tight narrative, action-packed, really enjoying eye candy, ear candy type of movie and leave your audience impacted by, that was really cool, it was an all-black cast western, they didn't really talk about it, and you know what, they shouldn't have to, because that's just a really cool thing that should be normal, you know, we shouldn't even think twice about that, but he kind of, um, I say he, I'm talking about the director, the writer-director combo there tiptoed on wanting to say something, and I hate incomplete thoughts, if you have something to say in a movie, say it and finish what you want to say. Like get it all out there. If it's a theme, theme it up, baby. Like go, like make it, make your point and make it loud and emphatic so that people can understand it. And this movie just kind of flirted with themes and it flirted with trying to say something, um, either about race or about society on the whole, et cetera. You know, I can't even really come up with exactly all the themes they were trying to get at because it, they weren't concrete or complete thoughts. So I think it's fine if they want to make this a smash mouth in your face, really fun, loud movie. Like I, I'm totally here for that. And for the most part, it really was that, but there are, you know, it's like just decide, <laughs> be, be decisive and decide. And so I thought, felt like that was an area where they could have used some, some decisiveness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. what What you say about the music, because the music in the background was almost the most, was, all, was the heaviest social commentary versus the yes. dialogue. And even uh, parts of it I get, right, because back in this era uh, of the West, they didn't have any power. Uh, African Americans did not have power. The world was operating at the level it was. They go into this white town. In the parentheses, it says, yeah, it's a white town. Uh, and they just say, eh, <laughs> I'm, this is how I have to go through life, just like this. Um, f- one fun fact is that the director of this movie is the younger brother of none other than superstar and music artist seal uh, kiss from a rose seal, which is uh, crazy. Actually both brothers seeing a lot of the music you hear in this movie. Um, I also love that there's a moment in here that gets closer to that commentary. um, Probably the most pointed moment where you have uh, the, the Nat love crew uh, they're gearing up to, to go go to battle with uh, rufus buck's team and you hear them out of nowhere seeing a very soft very faint spiritual um just to each other and it ends with this moment of nat love having the most painful of those lyrics i can't remember what the lyrics are but you see how him saying it just like it just it just cuts him deep to his core so I'm with Cam. I think I think it should have been pushed up a notch um, or not at all. Yeah, so I think that throwing it in the background, leaving it there plays to, yeah, this is the world they're living in. Mm-hmm. But it could have been enhanced or removed. Uh, you had to make the choice. I'm with you on that.
0: Yep, yep. Good points all around. Let's move into final thoughts and scores. Kirk, you're up first.
1: This movie was something that I did not expect to like. I'm never in the mood for a Western. (laughs) I just never am. I'm never like, well, I've watched a thriller. I've watched a superhero (laughs) movie. I've watched two comedies. I am ready for a Western. Let's turn it on. Um, I'm going through my, uh, my list behind me, you know, my hundred movie scratch off. Um, I'm getting closer and, um, you know, the, uh, the, what, whatever, whatever movie it is. I can't Butch think Cassidy of it. Um, and the
0: Sundance Kid probably. Uh,
1: I do need to watch that one. Uh, uh, not the hateful eight, the, um, oh gosh, am I really a film critic? <laughs> where, where am I? Where am I? There's a, the, there's a spectacular movie about like nine cowboys, right? The Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> about, a spectacular movie about nine about cowboys. About
0: 17. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 17 and a half uh, cowboys and ruffians um, where, where, you know, I, it took me a long time to watch that movie to get in the mood to watch it. And then finally I watched it. I was like, that was pretty good. I like it. Of course, this is on, you know, AFI's top 100. And of course, it's a landmark movie for the the risks they took and the things they did. Uh, Westerns are actually pretty good. We get into a rut, I think, where... There were so many Westerns made in our era to celebrate that time period that it just became the same story over and over again. This is not the same story. This is very different from any other Western you've ever seen. It is entertaining. Um, That word is uh, polarizing, but I like to say entertaining to people if it kept my attention the entire movie, and it did. And no point was I thinking about how I would have really wanted to do the movie or drifting off into, man, I really got to make my kids lunches. Oh, what's Jonathan majors doing now? This movie has a great pace. It has, uh, despite the, the, the social commentary not being fully, um, matured, it really does have a fantastic story about purpose, uh, about, um, self-realizations, self, um, uh, knowing yourself, really, uh, a lot of these characters are coming into their own. Um, and I think that it's honestly going to be a contender for Best Picture. The movie is that good. The film, the w- the structures that they do, the tricks that they do, uh, the storytelling throughout. I really do believe this is a contender for Best Picture right before we are uh, just thrown into best picture knobs coming week after week as you'll hear us talk about. So, bravo to the whole team, bravo to the director. I give this bad boy an 8.8 8 out of 10 kernels.
0: Yeah, it's a good call. It's a good call, man. I think I agree I agree on a lot of what you have said there. I think I think it is one of the better movies I've seen this year. I think the flaws that it has, the flaws that we've called out, like they they are apparent, I think, and you know, they are things you would not expect to see particularly in a best picture type movie. But I think what's different is like they don't impact the narrative or the film as an entertainment property to your point. Like those things that they, that they miss on, they really don't impact the product of the film very much. They impact, I think the significance of the film and the staying power of it perhaps. But as an entertainment product, I mean, this is great. This, I mean, this is exactly what I wanted from this movie, and that is so rare for me to see a trailer for a Netflix movie go, ooh, that looks good, here's what I would want that to look like, and then get exactly that. I, can, I mean, that has never happened with one of these Netflix movies, ever. Um Except for maybe Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That, <laughs> that was pretty much exactly what I wanted as well, and, and then some. But this movie was really what I wanted. It was fast. It was loud. It was violent. It was stylish and cool. Um, it, it had a really specific tone. It was really well acted. I mean, you go down the list and you just find yourself checking more boxes than not. And you have to go, Hey, this is a, this is a dang good movie we got here. Um, I'm also in the high eights with Kirk. I was only one one off. I was an 8.7. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's really good. And I think the flaws are, are, are minimal. Like they, they're noticeable enough to where you, you have to sort of dock it a little bit for the things that it does or, or rather doesn't do, but it has rewatchability. It's really fun. I would recommend it to anybody if they can stomach the violence. Um, it's just a really, it's, it was a nice, pleasant surprise. So Kirk went eight, eight, I went eight, seven. (laughs) That's where we're at. We, uh, we were quite close, a lot closer than we have been of late. But that happens sometimes. Sometimes the things just click, and this is one of those movies. Um,
1: and I love what you said there about um, significance. Like the even though there were flaws in this movie, there's flaws in every in every movie. Yeah. Um, but there there wasn't anything that changed the significance of the flow of the movie. If we weren't critiquing this movie, if I if we didn't have the burden. Of wanting to pick apart every movie we see, uh, there would be there be no issue. It'd be like, man, that was a great movie. I watched it. I loved it. Here's what I got from it. If we weren't, you know, saying like, all right, what do I got to have for my director's shoes? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't take it down. It really, really doesn't. So, uh, I love that word significance. It, yeah, it it's funny.
0: Like it, to your point, like if you weren't analyzing it, you really wouldn't you wouldn't see the flaws per se. Like, it's only when you, it's not mult it's not super deep in the layers, it's it's on the top, but it's not, like, if you were just watching it to enjoy your Friday night, you know, and you're not like us, uh, you would go, that was awesome. And then if people were pointing out flaws, you'd go, oh yeah, I could see that, I could see right. that. Maybe some people are doing that right now as they listen to this. You nod your head, you go, mm, yeah, it makes sense. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not, if you just watch it, you're not really gonna, Pick up on it, and like I said, it doesn't impact the product. So, right, it's just a really enjoyable watch. It just really is. Um, yeah, we'll see. I always, I'm always interested to look back on my scores in the past. Like, like I said, this movie has rewatchability. Maybe I give it three, four more spins, and I'm in the nines. <laughs> you know, honestly, just right. because it's it's such a fun one. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the Academy feels about the movie. Uh, I'll be interested. I think it's going to be a very competitive year. Um, but like I said, I mean, if you, if you're going down the list and checking boxes as an Academy voter, there's a lot more boxes checked than unchecked. And I have to say, you know, award season is just getting started. I want to make that clear, but out of what I've seen this year, um, I haven't been floored by much. And and this one was one of the ones that really caught me by surprise and was really good. So, it's a good one. If you haven't seen it, you now know every big spoiler that happens. But you should yes. go check it out. It's it's a it's a good time, and if you can handle the violence, then you know it's very Tarantino esque, right? When it you, is. That's the kind of violence that we're talking about here. It's not anything beyond that. It's not yeah, as violent as Django,
1: right? It's it's dialed down from a Tarantino level, but it's man, and that's something else I loved about this is that. They really understood what weapons they had in this and they <laughs> yeah. weren't using them like uh, like uh, modern weapons. So like you see some kills happen. And you're like, that makes perfect sense why that gun looked like that. And it looked kind of unnatural, but it's like, no, that's a six-shooter revolver. Of course that person's going to die that way, especially there's a very clear moment when (laughs) Jonathan Majors kills one of the last standing villains of the group. And it's not like this big, like, shoot him from a far distance. It's like, He kind of like winds around him and like shoots over his shoulder. And and like it just, he's like five feet away from him, kills him, drops him dead. And he doesn't like stand like, look at me, I'm Jonathan Majors. He stands like holding his weight in case he has to fire again in a very awkward stance. And it's like, yes, that's beautiful. Good job. Like, I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, so much, like, so, so many of the details were so tight and the narrative was so tight. Um, It's just a really interesting one. We we could literally sit here all night and keep talking about it because it's just there's a lot of interesting things going on. But we won't do that to spare you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Like we said, tons of good movie reviews coming up. I mean, I'd imagine we'll be going to see Ghostbusters this weekend or something in that vein. Um, King Richard's gonna be available on HBO Max. That'll be one to check out. Kirk's a big Will Smith guy. Uh, So we'll have to throw that one in the hopper and uh, yeah, thanks for sticking along with us. Like I said, Discord, we'd love to have you guys in our Discord community. It's a good time and it'll be more fun the more people that we add and we can just kind of chat with each other. You see a trailer, you see a movie, uh, you know, a lot of people are working from home now, you don't get that same level of interaction, but you know, if you see a trailer or or a news story about a movie or something, you want to chat with somebody, we're here. We got it. On our phones, we're, we're watching it um, and it's a really good time. So, Jump in there and, yeah, thank you for your support as always. We are out of here. We want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and the fantastic musical talents of the band Rhetoric, which you're hearing right now, fading up. We will see you guys next time. Talk to you then.